Thank you, Krista. I know some of those names are, they're a challenge. Brave. For Christian leaders in any generation, or few Christian leaders in any generation, have suffered the criticism, the attacks, and outright slander that Charles Spurgeon endured. Some of this was inevitable since Spurgeon was a world-renowned preacher and leading pastor of his day in England. Much like the Apostle Paul's enemies, Spurgeon's critics attacked his gospel message and accused him of self-seeking motives. During one stressful period, Spurgeon wrote to a friend, quote, friends form, enemies alarmed, devil angry, sinners saved, Christ exalted, self not well. That's what he said, end quote. That statement by Charles Haddon Spurgeon is probably true of many leaders particularly Christian leaders who have to face opposition in the work that God has called them to. Um, any Christian who is faithful to what God is calling them to do is going to face opposition. Uh, Nehemiah, of course, was no different. Uh, and I'm sure that Nehemiah, who came long before uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, uh, experienced the same kind of personal attacks as Charles Haddon Spurgeon had to go through. It comes with the territory as of being a leader, particularly in the world in which we live, particularly a world in which we live in today. In the chapter we're going to look at today in chapter 6, it's the final uh, message I'm going to give on Nehemiah. Um, we're going to see that Nehemiah is going to once again face opposition. We saw in Nehemiah chapter 4, he had already experienced opposition. Him and the people who were building the wall faced opposition in doing the work. In chapter 6, though, the opposition is not against the people per se, but it's against Nehemiah personally. Nehemiah and the people were very successful in the work that God was calling them to do, and they're almost ready to complete the work. And the enemies of Nehemiah and God's people know that. And so out of desperation, they're going to try to uh, intimidate and get rid of Nehemiah. They're going to personally attack him. They're going to fail. But what we see in Nehemiah in this chapter is how he, as a leader, successfully overcomes personal attacks in order to complete the work that God has given him to do. And all of us as Christians, in some degree, some form or fashion, if we are faithful to God, are going to face personal attacks of some sort, particularly leaders. But all Christians everywhere in the world in which we live, in the world in which we live, are going to face some kind of an attack personal, whether it's physical or you're going to be attacked, uh, uh, verbally assaulted, or you have your credibility uh, discredited so that you're no longer believable. And so in this chapter, we see that Nehemiah is going to successfully overcome personal attacks. And when, how he does this is once again a model for us to do as well. So we begin in chapter Nehemiah, uh, chapter, chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, Nehemiah. 
The first lesson, or the first, uh, the first lesson that we see about Nehemiah overcoming uh, personal attacks level against him is that he had a greater concern for doing the work of God than he did for his own personal safety. Leaders that are successful in overcoming personal attacks leveled against them will have a greater concern for doing the work of God than they will for their own personal safety. Their focus would be on the work and not on themselves. Verses 1 to 4. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. Apparently, the, the, the enemies of Nehemiah got wind that the work was almost done. The wall itself was completely patched up. The only thing they had to do was put the, 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 the gates and the doors in the wall. That was the only way that the enemy could get in was through the, the small opening. And the leaders knew that. The enemies of Nehemiah and the people knew that their window of stopping this work from its completion was very small. So now they're going to get desperate. So what do they do? They invite Nehemiah, the leader, to go to the plain of Ono. What was the plain of Ono? Oh, no. <laughs> what was the plain of Ono? It was northwest of Jerusalem, about 27 miles, and it was on the edge of the province of, of Judah. And so it bordered enemy territory, and what they want to do is allure him away from the work. But I want you to know how he responds. What does he say? I'm not going to go down there. Why? Because I got work to do. You're not going to get me away from the work. But notice his response. He says, the reason why they want me to go there is why? Because they want to harm me. But he doesn't say, I'm not going to go down to see you because you want to harm me. He doesn't say that. He says, I don't want to go down to see you because you're going to draw me away from the work. His focus was not on himself or the harm that could come to him. His focus was on the work that God had called him to do. And that's why he was successful in overcoming any personal attacks that came his way. Because his focus was on the work of God, not on his own person or his own personal safety. It's liberating. And it caused him to not be fearful because his focus and his mind was on the work. Nehemiah was successful in overcoming personal attacks leveled against him because he had a greater concern for doing the work of God than his own personal safety. If he was concerned for his own safety, he may have feared. Maybe he stops doing the work, but his focus was on the work of God. Number two, leaders that are successful in overcoming personal attacks will dismiss any false accusations or rumors directed against them. Much easier said than done. Verses 5 to 9. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me 
as before, the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are building the wall, that you may be their king. And you also have appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. Then I said to him, saying, No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they were all trying to make us afraid, saying, Their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands." He completely dismissed the false accusations that were made against him. What was the accusation? Well, the reason why you're doing this is because you want to rebel. That's the reason why you're doing this, Nehemiah. And you want to make yourself king. You want to rebel against the king. That's why you're doing it. But he completely dismisses it. He doesn't pay any attention to it. Why? And how was he able to do that? How was Nehemiah able to dismiss the false accusations or rumors that were directed against him? If someone accuses you of doing something and questions your motive for doing something, that's going to bother you, isn't it? It would bother me. So how was he able to do that? How was he able to dismiss these false accusations? Number one, he knew the truth. He knew the truth. Verse 8. No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. He knew the truth. He wasn't concerned about what other people thought about him because he knew that God knew. And ultimately, all that matters is what God thinks of you and knows about, knows what he knows about you is true. That's what should matter. He didn't care what they thought or what, they were, what motives they were uh, accusing him of. He knew that God knew the truth and he was fine with that. When someone accuses you of something and you know you didn't do it, you know that God knows that and that should give you peace because that's all that's going to matter is whether God knows the truth or not. He knows. Number two, he did not take the false accusations personally. Verse 9. For they were all trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. He realizes the motive why they were saying and accusing him falsely. It was because they didn't want us to do the work. He didn't take it personally because he understood that the real reason why they were accusing him wasn't because of him personally. It was because of the work that he was doing. And so if someone accuses you of doing something for God and questions your motives, the reason why those accusations are being made is not because they have something personal against you. It's because of the work that you're doing. That's the reason. He understood that. And when he understood that the reason why they were accusing me falsely was because of the work, not because of me, it, 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 he was able to overcome any accusations that were made against him. Thirdly, he was able to overcome it because he took the matter to God in prayer in verse 10. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. The reason why he was able to overcome these personal attacks and dismiss any false accusations was because he knew the truth, he didn't take the false accusations personally, and he took the matter to God in prayer. And that's what we need to do 
leader or not, when we face accusations that are not accurate. Thirdly, leaders that are successful in overcoming personal attacks will, in the midst of danger, possess a faith that is greater than their fear. Verses 10 to 14. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was a secret informer. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act that way and sin so that they might have a cause for an evil report that they might reproach me. That is, give me a bad name. My God, remember Tobiah and Sanballat according to their works and the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. Here it is clear that he has, his faith was greater than his fear. And how is his faith evident here? How is his faith evident? We say his faith was greater than his fear. How do we know that? We know that, number one, because he didn't, his faith was evident because he didn't run away from his task in the midst of danger. He says, should such a, should such a man as I flee? A person who is leading God's people and doing the work? Should I just run away and hide? What kind of leader would I be? A man of faith who's doing the work of God doesn't just run away and leave because of fear. His faith overcame his fear and he stayed and did the work. Number two, his faith was evident in that he obeyed God's word in the midst of danger. Verse 11, and who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life. I will not go in. His faith was clearly demonstrated by his willingness to obey God's word. When he says, should such, as I, should such a man as I go into the temple, what's he referring to? He's saying a person who should go into the temple behind closed doors should be a priest. I'm not a priest. God's word said only priests go into the temple. He could go into the courtyard, but he couldn't go inside the temple proper. To go inside the temple proper as a, a non-priest would be disobedient to God's word. His faith was evident in the fact that he was willing to obey God in the midst of danger by not going into the temple. Thirdly, his faith was evident in that he maintained his credibility in the midst of danger. Verse 13, for this reason, he, Shemaiah, was hired that I should be afraid and act that way and sin so that they might have cause for an evil report that they might reproach me. Give me a bad name. He maintained his credibility in the midst of danger. That's where his faith was evident. He maintained his credibility. The reason why they wanted him to go in the temple so that he would go in there and then, oh, you went in the temple? That's against, that's against God's word. Who's going to follow him now? God's people aren't going to follow his leadership anymore. He maintained his credibility. And fourthly, his faith was evident in that he did not personally retaliate in the midst of danger. He left the outcome 
of his enemy's actions against him to God. Verse 14. My God, remember Tobiah and Sanballat according to these their works and the prophetesses Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. In other words, I'm leaving this situation to you. I'm going to trust this situation to you. If someone does me wrong and is trying to ridicule me or uh, 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 harm me in any way or assassinate my character and credibility, I'm going to leave it to you and I'm not going to take control of it. That's where Nehemiah's faith comes in. He simply trusts God in the process. And finally, leaders that are successful in overcoming personal attacks will provide an opportunity for God's power to be seen and acknowledged by everyone. Verses 15 and 16. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things or were afraid of these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. The fact that Nehemiah was faithful and was willing to, uh, and was able to overcome all of these personal attacks against him, is it led to the completion of the work in such a way that it drew the attention of the people around him, the unbelieving community, and recognized that the work was done because God's hand was involved in it. His faithfulness to his task in the midst of personal attacks provided an opportunity for the watching world around him to see God's work, God's hand at work in the midst of what they were doing. This is what Nehemiah had done, and this is how he was able to overcome personal attacks. He did so because he had a greater concern for doing God's work than he did for himself. He had, uh, he simply dismissed any and all false accusations that were levied against him. He had possessed more faith, a greater faith than he did fear in the midst of danger, which led to uh, a witness to the world around him that God was at work within their community. This is what Nehemiah had done in order to successfully overcome personal attacks And leaders today must do the same to be successful. All Christians must do the same in order to be successful. And as I think of Jesus, Jesus did the same. Jesus Christ did the same. He focused on the work. There were people who were plotted against him, wanted to do away with him, but he kept focused on the work to the point where he was willing to sacrifice his own self. Right? He dismissed every accusation, paid no mind to it at all, because he was focused on the work. And ultimately, it would lead to God's power at work in his life as he died on the cross and rose from the grave. Jesus is a model example of overcoming personal attacks so that God's glory and God's power and God's hand could be seen in his life so that he may be glorified. 